0: Today, I'm going to start over because I completely screwed up out of the gate. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and go. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are, whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hi everyone, you're on air with and today I'm joined by Dr. Sarah Solomon, who I'm going to let explain herself in her own words. Hi Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, Ella. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I am so psyched to have you on. I don't know if people say that anymore, but that's how I feel. So I'm super pumped because I have been exposed to a lot of your work already, and I want so much to share it with everybody that's listening. And Sarah, I'm terrified to record this episode. Did I tell you this? Okay, why are you scared? I'm scared for two reasons. The first one is we're talking about intermittent fasting and I'm scared that people are going to think that this is like some kind of magic bullet, one size fits all protocol. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The second thing I'm scared of is I'm going to cop to some of my weird food abnormalities and I'm a little bit scared of sharing that, but we're going to talk about it today. Oh, don't worry. I'll share all of mine too. (laughs) I feel feel safe knowing that you are as big a freak as I am. Oh yeah, that's that's pretty much what I'm known for, so this is going to be great. Can you tell everybody a little bit about you and where you come from?
1: Uh, I am from Canada. <laughs> I'm from a small town in Ontario originally, and I was always very academic. I started out um, going to McGill University, and I stayed there for eight years, actually. My first degree was in physiotherapy. And my second degree was in dentistry, and I've been a dentist for 10 years now. And along the way, I became very enamored with fitness. Uh, I think, you know, doing a degree in physiotherapy, it points you in that direction. It's just a natural progression. So I ended up becoming certified in personal training. But by the time I graduated from dental school, Uh, Guess what you do when you study all the time, Ella? What do you do?
0: Oh, been there. You sit, and then you sit some more, and then you eat. (laughs) And then you eat, and then you eat.
1: I I was notorious for polishing off a whole box of wheat thins, and then a whole box of croutons while I was studying. So guess what happened to me? I gained weight after I graduated. So when I graduated, I realized, okay, I need to do something about this. So I joined a gym, and I started doing everything under the sun at the gym, including spinning. So I became a spinning instructor. And then one thing led to another. And before you know it, I was now competing in fitness. In fact, I competed nine times. I earned my pro card. And by the time I had finished competing, the regimen that I had been following, Ella, was so strict. It was severe daily caloric restriction, eating small mini meals every two to three hours, six times a day and I was training two to three hours a day that would be two hours of steady state cardio and then weight training so not only was this eating up all of my time but this actual regimen was devastating my metabolism so by the time I finished competing and I wanted to resume to normal life meaning eating my baseline calories and just doing a normal duration workout well, guess what happened to me? I ended up gaining a ton of weight just doing you know, what normal people would do. So I realized I had a problem and I needed to find a solution. And I mean, I make it sound really sweet and simple, but it's not. There were a lot of issues that went along with that from, you know, feeling very depressed about the way I was looking. So I ended up researching a lot about intermittent fasting, and one thing led to another, and that's now what I eat, live, and breathe, is teaching people how to pretty much take the hell out of healthy, how can we make fitness and nutrition as easy as possible, so that it's something that we can actually endure and maintain.
0: There's so much I want to talk about there. Okay, so our listeners know already that I do not believe in a magic bullet, and they know that if the, if they do nothing else, if they take away nothing else, they know that I do not believe in a one-size-fits-all approach. Sarah, do you agree or disagree?
1: I agree with you 100%. My philosophy is that the only dietary and fitness regimen that will work for you is the one to which you can actually adhere in the long run
0: well and we recently had dr jade tita on the show and i want everyone to go back and listen to that episode because it explains sort of the fundaments of health and wellness and eating and his whole point is to be a diet detective that you should that you are your best experiment and to figure out what works and so where i'm going with that sarah is i am my own diet detective and i want to share you and your protocols with our listeners because what you're doing happens to be working very well for me. It happens to be working very well for thousands and thousands of other people, but it's not going to work for everybody. And so I just want to get that qualifier out there. And I want everyone to know that Sarah and I are both on board with that messaging. Now, with that said, I got to dive in here for a minute. Were you like one of those, I mean, you had your pro card. So you were a fitness competitor. You were like Tan bikini food in glass containers like the whole nine yards oh it was it was absolutely
1: the most hellacious uh experience of my life it becomes so all-consuming and very unhealthy people have no idea do they like it looks so glamorous it's a facade and the problem was that i was falling victim to it what was your life like then tell us walk us through that just a little bit I was not happy and you're going to see a lot of this in the industry. If you go on Instagram and look at any typical female in the fitness industry, you're going to see that they're also falling victim to the rhythm. They're a slave to the rhythm and it's all about creating a facade that, you know, you look a certain way and it's becoming, in my opinion, very unhealthy because this is what younger girls are now looking at and they think that this is what they have to look like in order to be accepted so i'm really happy that we're talking about this ella because i think it's it's high time that this topic be addressed
0: Well, I think it's really, really important that you call this out because when people go look at your photographs, and I hope they do, uh, they will see someone who five years ago was just beautifully fit, gorgeous to look at, and utterly miserably unhappy. Correct?
1: Maintaining that facade was a full time job. Okay, now this is just my opinion, Ella, but. You know, it's not real. There's nothing real about it. There's hair extensions, there's false lashes, there's a tan. You literally only look like that for that one day when you are on stage. And it's the most tormenting thing to try to always live up to that moment. So I have to say that I was miserable, absolutely tormented.
0: Well, and 99% of our listeners don't, they can't relate to that. Like they, they aren't going to walk on stage. They're not going to be in heels in their bikini or their shaved chest for the guys and so on and so forth. However, they will 100% relate to your food obsession, the concern every day with how you look, what you're going to eat, how you might fail that day, because that's the mindset that you're in, right, Sarah? Yep. and and just that utter obsession with feeling like you are always falling short i know that my people will relate to that and many of us out there will relate to just this this disordered relationship with food what was your what was your relationship with food like oh it
1: was incredibly disordered i had orthorexia nervosa that's actually not uh, a diagnosis yet but it's it's this obsession with food it has to be you know a certain you know, style of eating where, you know, you can't have gluten, you can't have dairy. You have this whole righteous attitude towards it. It has to be weighed perfectly, put into the Tupperware, and, you know, you couldn't even go to a restaurant because what if they put butter or salt on the food? That's not allowed. That's not on the meal plan. You had to follow the meal plan to a T. And if you didn't follow the meal plan to a T, then you felt like a failure and it would show in your physique. So, I was a slave to this meal plan and as a result I was demonizing all food that was not on the eating plan so you can see how this interfered with my relationships I couldn't even go out for dinner it was to a point where traveling would make me anxious because I knew that I wouldn't be eating the way I should be so then I'd have to figure out how I could find a gym somewhere so that I could do extra cardio to compensate for the fact that my diet was no longer in check so you can see that this is very disordered
0: I feel like your cat is really upset about this. (laughs) I was hoping he was going to stay sound asleep. That's hysterical. I mean, he's like a small child. He's like a small child. We're going to have to (laughs) reference him in the show notes. His name is Taz. Taz, thank you. Sorry, Taz. Sorry, we displaced you. Okay. So Sarah, I think it's useful for people to understand where you came from a little bit because it puts, it puts your work in context a little bit. It is so easy. And I'm constantly saying this, but it's so easy to look at somebody's highlight reel online and they go and they look at Dr. Sarah Solomon and they're like, she's beautiful. And she's so Fit and she's a totally looks like a fitness model, and you've got this wildly popular business, and they have no idea the depth and the experience that got you to this place.
1: Yeah, but that's that's the beauty of it. He, that's what's led me to figuring out my identity and what I need to do today to have a healthy body image and a healthy relationship with food and my family again. What people don't realize is that back then. I was lost. I had no identity back then. I was just doing what everybody else was doing. And it's kind of ironic because I look back at all those images that you're referencing. Um, and that's not me. I was portraying this sexy concept, but that's not even who I am. Like, honestly, I'm sitting here right now in my Kermit the frog slippers and I'm so conservative and I'm actually like the class clown. So I'm nothing at all what I was projecting back then. So I understand how the female gender, especially, can be so influenced by what we see around us online, and it can really, in my opinion, it can get you lost.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you the truth. It's now, I'm hearing from a lot of our male listeners, and it's having the same effect on them. Now, women, we are we are leagues ahead of our male counterparts as far as anxiety and obsession go. <laughs> I mean, we are
1: winning, <laughs> Oh, definitely. Definitely. But I understand it does affect them too. And I really hope that this podcast is going to help everybody start to look at this differently and realize that we need to design a lifestyle for us. And it has to have nothing to do with what we're seeing around us because that's a facade.
0: Well, let's dive in here, because let's first tell people, we're talking about intermittent fasting. Let's tell people what that is. Can you give them the 10-second definition of intermittent fasting, Sarah? Okay, so intermittent fasting, first of all, what you said before, it's not for everybody, okay?
1: And it's not a diet. You're still going to eat your normal amount of food, Ella. You just eat it in a smaller time frame, and this is called your eating window. So it's basically just a plan that tells you when you can eat, and when you cannot eat. And since you're gonna be spending more time not eating than you do eating, it finally gives your body a chance to tap into its stored fat for fuel, Yahtzee. So that means we're actually going to be able to shed some of the fat off of our bodies
0: that you know
1: we're not too thrilled about.
0: Okay, so intermittent fasting, like the word fasting is terrifying, especially to people like me that know that that means no eating. Feeling like something's going to be taken away from me or not available to me causes anxiety and panic. But that's not really what intermittent fasting is, is it?
1: No. Okay, first of all, I want to clarify that the majority of your fast happens when you're asleep. So it's really not that big a deal. And, I mean, you can have a larger eating window. So all you do is you skip breakfast. And I'm sure many people have done that on the weekends accidentally just because they sleep in. So it's really not as hellacious as it sounds. But you are allowed to drink calorie free beverages during your fast. And that's going to fill up your belly and help promote satiety, a feeling of fullness. So all you need to do is gulp back a great big glass of water or green tea. You could have black coffee. Any calorie free beverage is fair.
0: Well, so let's talk, let's break this down just a little bit more. So when we talk about intermittent fasting, we're really talking about a condensed eating window. So rather than looking at the lack and the hours where we're not eating, what you're really saying is there is just a condensed window where you are eating. Is that fair?
1: That is fair. And what's cool about it is that you're taking all the calories you normally would have eaten if you had been eating all day long, and you actually compress them into this eating window so you finally feel full. See, the problem with following the frequent feeding model that I was doing back when I was competing, the little meals were so tiny every two to three hours that I never had appetite satisfaction after eating them. So I was constantly hungry. The other thing I want to make clear about fasting is that fasting has a suppressive effect on hunger. So... I know your first reaction is, OMG, I'm going to be starving like Marvin, but I find that the more I fast, the less I'm even noticing that I'm hungry, especially if I'm staying hydrated. So it's
0: really not that bad. So let's talk about really quickly who should not even, who should just tune out right now, because I'm going to make some assumptions and you're the doctor, not me. But my assumption is that if you're pregnant or nursing, like you need to just turn us off or send us this episode to your friend or something, correct? I mean, if you're pregnant or nursing, like do not even pass go. Is that true or false?
1: That's correct. The first thing that anybody needs to do, myself included, I did, is consult with your doctor. And I even suggest you get baseline blood tests so that you can reassess and see is this working for you now remember your doctor is the only person who knows your medical history they know what medications you're taking and that's why this is important to consult with your MD it's not for minors it's not for women who are pregnant or breastfeeding it's not for people who actually have been diagnosed with anorexia or bulimia Um, it's not for diabetics who take insulin, for people who are recovering from surgery, for epileptics, or anybody who's been diagnosed with true hypoglycemia disorder. So when in doubt, get it checked out.
0: Good. Now, who does fit the profile for trying intermittent fasting?
1: It's intended for healthy adults. And in my opinion, intermittent fasting is excellent for healthy adults who are super busy during the day at work and don't have time to stop to eat. And it's also excellent for people who have binge eating styles. For example, somebody who would get home after a long day of work and they sit in front of the TV and they just want to pig out and they eat and they eat and they eat. They'd be further ahead doing intermittent fasting where they don't eat all day long and they come home and they eat all their calories at night and they don't end up gaining weight because here's the problem. If you eat all day long and then you come home and you keep eating all night, you're going to gain weight. But if you restrict yourself to only eating at night, then you can get away with it and not gain weight.
0: Okay, and I can feel the questions building up in our listeners' minds, and I just want them to know we are going to break this down step by step, but I still want to keep talking about, like, who this could work for and who it couldn't because let me throw some other options out at you. So busy professionals or people who are just busy with whatever is consuming their lives and they're running around, and maybe they use that as the reason they make some pretty poor food choices. Then you mentioned binge eaters, and then what about the – mom or the dad who find themselves like running through the drive-thru because they're taking the kids around or doing quote kid food and PS public service announcement. There's no such thing as kid food. There is real food and there's junk food. The end. Okay. And (laughs) (laughs) this works for people who are trying to lose weight or lose fat, Sarah. Well, you have to be careful because if you are not
1: taking measures to preserve your muscle, meaning you're not engaging in any form of resistance training, body weight training, weightlifting, then you will inevitably catabolize muscle because fasting is a catabolic process. So that's why it's important that if you are doing fasting, you should be engaging in some form of resistance training. And that way you will lose fat and preserve your muscle mass. Otherwise, if you're doing intermittent fasting and you're not engaging in any type of resistance training, you're going to lose weight
0: by weight versus fat. Yeah. I'm so glad you're making this distinction. I actually didn't know this. So we're really targeting, I'm going to try and recap it. You tell me where I'm wrong. We're talking to the healthy adult who is doing resistance training of some sort or is wide open to that and is willing to make the time to do that. And we'll talk about how much time that is, but we're talking to that person who wants to move the needle, right? And like go from maybe 80% to 95%. We're not talking about someone who's operating at their 10% threshold and we're going to get them to 70. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. That's really, really important because there's, why don't you touch on the difference between losing weight and losing fat, Sarah? Okay. So let me use
1: my mother as an example and me. So for example, I wake up every morning and I train fasted and I'm doing resistance training, whether that's just using my own body weight, you know, for example, doing pushups, or I use resistance bands, or I actually have some dumbbells and kettlebells at home. And I work out at home. And I have been able to maintain my muscle mass, which is important to do because it's your muscle that burns calories all day long. It's your muscle that determines your metabolic rate. So the more muscle you have on your body, the better your metabolism and the better your ability to actually burn fat. So you want to have some muscle on your body. So that's ideal. Now let's take my mother, for example, and she refuses to do any weightlifting at all, but she wants to always do her little walking tape. Now, bless her heart, she's 67 years old, and I'm thrilled that she's just doing that, okay? So she does her little 30-minute walking tape. You know, it's, it's, yeah. She's lost weight, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. She's done nothing to preserve her muscle mass. She's doing fasting, which is catabolic. She's doing cardio, like moderate intense cardio that's going to help waste away the muscle. So she's lost a lot of weight. That includes losing muscle mass and fat. Now, I want to also make it clear that my mother is happier than a hungry cow and five feet of alfalfa, and she looks fabulous. She couldn't care less if she had muscle on her body or not. She's 67, and she looks awesome, and she loves her walking tape, and I would never, ever say anything. And I hope she's not listening to this right now because the key point is that you have to do what works for you, and that's working for her.
0: So many uh, people are focused on losing weight, men and women alike, and that's fine. I mean, I I can speak to this as a triathlete because during every triathlon season, I lose weight and I can't stand it because I'm losing so much muscle because of the chronic cardio. And if if you want to change your actual body shape, muscle's the only way to do it. Now, I mean, you can change your profile. You can be fat, skinny, you can feel differently in your clothes, you can lose weight. But if you actually want to change your form, Muscle's the only way I know how to do it, unless you know something I don't know. No, you're absolutely right, because all
1: of my family members obviously jumped on the intermittent fasting uh, bandwagon with me, but I'm the only one who actually does resistance training, and I'm the only one that has the body composition of somebody who actually does resistance training. The rest of them are just skinny. But that's their goal, and I would never knock that. That's what they want, and I think that's awesome.
0: Sarah, I think that's a really useful distinction, and I'm glad that you made it so people understand what the goal is. So what we're really talking about is we're talking about a condensed eating window married up with some form of resistance training. Now, I'm going to go all the way back to intermittent fasting, but I've got to just get this out there now because when people see your picture and they see that you are so, like, crazy in shape, they're going to think that you spend two hours in a gym every day. (laughs) Ha 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 You know the truth. I know the truth. <laughs> Tell it. You don't even go to a gym.
1: <laughs> okay. I don't even belong to a gym. I actually work out at home in my living room with my cat and I work out for at most 30 minutes a day.
0: People are not going to believe that. Can you give them an idea of what you're doing in that 20 to 30 minute period?
1: So I make very effective use of my time. I am engaging in high intensity interval training and that includes resistance training. So I'm getting the benefits of strength training and cardio training in one short but super convenient session. And I love that I'm doing it at home because I can roll out of bed and I've got the crusties in my eyes, my hair is all over the place, I'm still in my pajamas, nobody can see me and I can get the workout done get showered, and move on with my day because my day, I don't want it to ever again, and I'm sure you understand now that you know my backstory, I never again want my day to revolve around working out. Oh, I hear you. Okay. I like kickstarting my day with working out because, I mean, that's an amazing way to kick off your day. You got the endorphins running. It's like a drug. It's amazing, and I encourage everybody to work out in the morning, especially because motivation it's a depreciating asset just like how you plug in your cell phone at night and it's fully charged and ready to go in the morning same is true for motivation with respect to exercising it tends to decline as the day goes on and by the time the end of the day happens i'm exhausted and the last thing i feel like doing is working out but i respect that different things work for different people. And I will never tell anybody when they should work out and when they should not work out. And I'll never tell people that, Oh, you have to diet this way or that way. You have to tweak it to work for you and your schedule and your eating personality. And that's just going to make you have success.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay. I only have 75,000 more questions for you. So you work out in a fasted state, tell people what you mean and why you do that. I work out
1: fasted in the morning but not purely fasted because that's actually catabolic. Remember I said that. I use branched-chain amino acids. Do you know what that is, BCAAs?
0: Funny, I just shared BCAAs in the last episode that I did for everybody on helping to control cravings. So I will link to that in the show notes for this at onairwithella.com. Okay, go on. Okay, so basically, in a nutshell... I'm using one that's
1: calorie-free, like very negligible caloric load, so that it doesn't really interfere with your fast, okay, so you don't have to worry about it breaking your fast, so I'm drinking these right before my workout, during my workout, and then again after my workout, because this is going to help to preserve your muscle, it's going to minimize. Muscle catabolism because training fasted and fasting is catabolic. So, I don't want to lose muscle. I want to maintain what I have. And in fact, BCAAs can help to promote muscle protein synthesis, which is what a lot of people want. So, the other thing I want to explain is that I stay fasted after I finish my workout for at least two hours. And there's a reason why I do that. Do you know why, Ella? Explain
0: the science to us so people understand. So when you are fasting,
1: it causes you to boost your growth hormone levels. The same is true when you train fasted. It's going to just skyrocket your growth hormone levels. This is a cool thing because growth hormone is your star fat burning hormone. Yahtzee again. That's good news. I mean, I want to be burning fat. So if you suddenly decide to eat, right after you finish your workout, what happens is once you eat, that spikes your insulin, okay? And most people know that. But what people might not know is that once you spike your insulin, that antagonizes the growth hormone. So, goodbye bye growth hormone. You're no longer going to do your thing anymore. So, you're no longer going to benefit from that exercise-induced surge of growth hormone. You just suppressed all of that. So now you're in fat-storing mode again. Once your insulin levels have been elevated, you are in fat-storing mode. When your insulin levels sufficiently drop because you're fasting, that's when growth hormone comes out, and that's when growth hormone is going to do what we want it to do.
0: Okay, so that system is at play after your workout for a window of one to two hours?
1: I say give it one to two hours because your growth hormone is just boosted through the through the roof. So, you know, just wait it out for one to two hours so that you can actually reap the benefits of that elevated growth hormone and burn all kinds of fat.
0: Okay. So, you know, I'm coming from the triathlon world where we basically use triathlon as an excuse to eat whatever we want, but, you know, shove a bunch of food in my face because I'm going for a long bike ride. Like it's a very different mentality.
1: Oh, but what you might not know is that I purposely carb backload the night before. When I close off my eating window, that's when I will eat my discretionary calories, my carbs, my fun carbs on purpose, knowing that when I wake up the next morning, I have all of my um, muscles fully loaded with glycogen ready for me to have a killer workout.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay, we're going to come in. We got to get to this detail. So let's do this. I want to go back and share with people what a condensed eating window can look like because you said you, know, you can start with an eight-hour eating window, but the truth is, Sarah, that might be really condensed for some people, right? You know, and I agree with that. I think
1: that if that's too condensed for you, then you know what? You could do 10 hours. Heck, you could even do 12 hours and still benefit so, I mean, your body goes into pure fat oxidation mode, probably around 12 to 14 hours into your fast. So you don't have to do the 16 and 8 approach.
0: That's useful to share, I think, because I actually came across this concept before the term intermittent fasting had really taken off. I just came across a study, I think it was three years ago, that just said, you know, we're training to eat almost around the clock of our waking hours. And that. It can shorten your longevity. There was a, there was a medical study that, um, came to that conclusion and it was the first time I'd ever thought about the time span over which I consumed my food. So after that, I started paying attention. I just said, you know, I'm going to eat in a 12 hour window. I'm just, I don't need, I can give my body a break for half the day. And just, just, you know, if I have something at 8am, I'm done by 8pm. And that seemed very, very reasonable. And it didn't even seem like a thing. You know what I mean, Sarah?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the benefits of, of stopping eating is that your body finally gets a chance to clean itself up on a cell, cellular level. It cleans up all those free radicals. This is called autophagy. And as soon as you eat, it inhibits autophagy. The other problem with eating all the time, from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to bed, is that your insulin levels will be chronically elevated. And you probably read that study where... You see the chronically elevated insulin levels are actually um, correlated with the onset of diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and even cancer. Yeah, that's right. The very paradigm that has been preached to us for years and years by fitness magazines, you know, television shows, it's actually what's contributing to disease.
0: Yeah, I actually took pride in the fact that I needed to eat every 2 hours. I was like, "Oh, my metabolism's so fast I'm, you know, <laughs> that I've got to put something in my body every 2 hours." And it was really it was really kind of a mess, and I actually told I hate that I shared that with people.
1: Me too. I'm so embarrassed. But there's there was actually a 1997 review in the British Journal of Nutrition that found no evidence that eating six meals a day increases metabolism, thermogenesis, or weight loss. So when I read that, I realized, okay, this is ridiculous because most people can't stop every two to three hours to eat. I mean, I was in the middle of doing root canals. I can't be like, oh, sorry, Mr. Smith, I have to go eat
0: my three ounces of tilapia and my one cup of asparagus. That's right. So that's where I was. I went down to the 12 hour, which by the way, again, it really wasn't a thing. I just was more conscious of it. And, you know, eating in a 12 hour window is not exactly difficult in any way. Then when I started learning a little bit more about the benefits of giving my digestive system a break, and those were the terms in which I was looking at it. I came at it from a slightly different angle than you did, Sarah. But Mm -hmm. then I was like, well, I think I could do 10 hours and I don't think, again, that that would be a hardship because I'm not into hardship, Sarah. Like life is hard enough. I don't want to be obsessed. The whole point is to not obsess, right? That's why I do it because it stopped me from obsessing and I'm no longer hungry all the time. You talk about eating personalities. My eating personality and my life personality, my personality is I am a binger. If I'm enjoying something, I want it times a hundred. If I love somebody, I love them times a hundred. If I'm not in love with somebody, I am not in love with them times a hundred.
1: <laughs> I'm exactly like you. So you would probably do well with a very narrow eating window. And that's how you outsmart
0: dieting. Well, you hit the nail on the head and this is why I'm this is where this passion comes from for this topic from me is I will go through cycles where I'm just out of control with my food. I just don't feel in control of it. It doesn't even necessarily mean that I'm stuffing my face or anything. It just means that like I'm sort of obsessed with my next meal and what am I doing next? And when I start getting off the rails the, actually the, the last time I sort of felt myself getting off the rails, it's usually when life gets really, really busy. No correlation there, I'm sure. I came across your stuff. And, I, and so I started really deep diving into the science because Dr. Sarah knows her stuff, ladies and gentlemen. She has a lot of data, a lot of science behind all of this protocol. In any case, I went to an eight hour window and oh my gosh, it was like, Ta-da! Oh, sorry. Yahtzee! Yahtzee. No idea why this is working so well for me, but it is. Maybe you can tell people why it's working. <laughs> well, let's think about our
1: ancestors. They didn't eat breakfast, and they often survived on one big meal a day in the evening because, well, they were hunting for food and gathering food early on the di- in the day, and they did all that on an empty stomach. Does that sound like fasted training to you? So from an evolutionary standpoint, this is how we are programmed to eat. And you know what made us switch over? It's, it's all food consumerism, marketing. I mean, we've been told that breakfast is the most important meal of the day by cereal companies.
0: Let me lay out this protocol for everybody we're having a condensed eating window. Maybe that window's 10 hours for you. Maybe it's six hours if you're trying to achieve something radical or that fits in with your diet. I think you understand that Sarah's point is it's whatever works for you. But my question yeah. here is do you have to do it every single day?
1: No, you don't. My parents only do it on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and sometimes Thursdays. The rest of the time on weekends, they don't follow any paradigm. They just let anything go.
0: And how did, what kind of results has that yielded for them?
1: My parents have been doing it for over a year. My dad has lost 30 pounds and kept it off for good. And his asthma went away because fasting helps to decrease chronic inflammation. And my mother has lost 20 pounds and has kept it off for good. And they've created quite a little unique system that works well for their lifestyle. They work during the week. They're too busy to eat when they're at work. They can follow the paradigm very well during the week. And on weekends, they can have a good time.
0: Wow. So four days a week.
1: But you don't even have to do that. Some people only do it one or two times a week. So you don't have to, you know, commit to it seven times a week.
0: This is so interesting because again, like I really kind of needed to kick myself in the butt. And so I went down to a six hour eating window. This was when I really like needed to get, you know how you need to almost cleanse or Yeah. yeah, I was just in a phase where life had gotten so busy and crazy that I was not practicing what I preach and, but I know enough to know that. And so I was like, okay, 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 okay. So I took a step back and I went down to a six hour eating window, which does not fit for my life most of the time I did that for one week and it was like this huge kickstart for me the next week I did eight, week, eight weeks eight hours and then Sarah I was in Las Vegas for a week and and if you think I was eating in a condensed time window in Las Vegas you would be wrong <laughs> And I come back, and I feel great, and I came back, and I just went. Yesterday I did 10 hours, and today I'm doing 8 hours, and I'll probably stay there for a long, long time until some, you know, until life happens. That's the whole
1: point. I think quality of life is so much more important than food rules. And I learned that lesson many moons ago. So I encourage people to enjoy themselves when they're in Vegas, to enjoy themselves on the weekend. If they have a special event they're going to, enjoy it. Because as soon as you get back, you can get right back on the bandwagon and get right back to where you were within a few days.
0: You know your stuff. Like, Tell us why this actually works for health, performance, anti-aging, and fat loss. I mean, why does this work?
1: Okay. So it works for fat loss because when you're fasted, Finally, your insulin levels drop low enough that your body can actually enter into fat oxidation mode. You're actually finally burning fat. Insulin's the problem. And when you eat, your insulin goes up and it suppresses fat oxidation. So if you actually want to burn fat, you have to stop eating all the time. So that's why it works. Now, it's effortless, in my opinion, for fat loss, and it's very easy for maintaining fat loss just because it's not some type of a weird diet where you have to, you know, eat certain things and demonize other things. So I think it works for a lot of people because most people do have a period of time where they're working and they're busy. And as long as you're busy you're going to be able to get through a fast without any issues. It's the people who aren't busy, who are constantly checking their watch every two minutes to see, is it time to eat? Is it time to eat? Is it time to eat? They're the ones who tend to fail with the fasting protocol. So as long as you're busy, it's gonna be a piece of cake. Fasting will increase your energy and focus. I find that I get my best work done and my best workouts done when I'm fasted, um, just because it releases catecholamines Your uh, epinephrine and norepinephrine, think uh, fight or flight hormones, okay? So that's why you're so prepared and focused and ready for life. That's why our ancestors were able to hunt on an empty stomach. They were in fight or flight mode. It also helps with cellular cleansing. I told you the autophagy. This is integral to anti-aging. I mean, that's just one reason right there why I want to keep fasting and I never want to go back to frequent feeding because this is the ultimate way to get anti-aging. It decreases your chronic systemic inflammation. That's why my dad's asthma went away. Uh, It increases your growth hormone levels. I told you that's what helps you to burn the fat. So that's great news. So if you fast it might not necessarily just be for fat loss like my sister is is just genetically super skinny she doesn't need to fast for fat loss but she sure does like to fast for the health reasons my uh lipid profile improved i was already healthy but my doctor noted that my my um lipid levels my good cholesterol went up my bad cholesterol went down just after a year of doing this the same thing happened to my mother as well I've also not had one cold since I started doing this in 2012
0: Yeah, I am ill-equipped to speak to the science. I have read the science, though, and I know that there is a great deal of data out there that talks about, and I'm going to say this in utter layman's terms, but just giving your body a break gives it a chance to heal itself.
1: See, and the other thing is we are awake much longer today than many, many years ago. I mean, I think that the amount people sleep is decreasing each year. So that means you're awake more, which means there's more time to eat, which explains why the population is becoming so obese because food is ubiquitous and you're awake all the time. So what are you doing? You're eating.
0: Well, let's talk for a moment about the person who is maybe 15 pounds overweight, maybe 30 pounds overweight. They're not actually super fit because they've kind of let that side of their life go a little bit, but they're very intrigued by what you're saying and by some of the science behind it. Where does someone like that
1: start? Okay. My advice for a newbie would be to wake up and skip breakfast. And that would mean potentially you might not start eating until 11. If you can't handle that, then start eating at 10. But your first time, just try to push breakfast back. Try and just push it back, you know, maybe 10, 11. If you can make it to noon, that's great. And then you're going to eat all the food you normally would have eaten. But you're going to eat it, obviously, in an eight-hour window. So if you start eating at 11 in the morning, you're going to stop eating at 7 p.m. And that's all you do. It's really easy it's not complicated.
0: Okay, now let's talk about a different type of person. This is based on a reader question, and so this is the, really the opposite of the person sitting on their sofa asking where to start. This is someone who did fast, and eating with a daily fast kept her slim and helped her reach her goal of running a marathon. Okay. But then when she finished her marathon season and kind of checked that box off, her husband has asked her to go back to eating regular meals with him because it's put a strain on their relationship. But now she says when she eats, Anything, it makes her absolutely starving because it's like she thinks her body is waiting for her to eat all of her calories in that one go. Is that yeah. making
1: sense? Yeah, it's meal and training because you've trained your body to be used to a certain pr- protocol. So now you have to kind of wean yourself off of that. It's kind of like how when we were eating every two to three hours, we were always hungry because, well, we were suppressing our endogenous glucose production because we were constantly stuffing our face. So that's why people who eat every two to three hours are hungry for carbs every two to three hours. So it's really just a case of overcoming what you've trained your body to do. But my advice to her would be at each meal when she does eat to apply the principle of volumetrics. So that way it's a minimal uh, caloric input but a high volume. So she satisfies that need to eat like a lumberjack without it doing caloric damage.
0: So that would be things like fibrous veggies and cruciferous veggies and protein and things that just make you feel very satiated and full.
1: And I would actually recommend before she starts eating each meal to bang back a huge glass of some type of a calorie free beverage. Cause that's going to fill her belly first and then i would recommend like as you said salads lean proteins that way she can get the satisfaction of a huge quantity of food without it doing caloric damage so she's going to have to slowly do this titration technique until she can get it back in balance and get the hormonal entrainment back to what she used to be when she was eating all the time now did you read the chapter in my book called why breakfast actually makes me hungrier
0: yes and i felt like i wrote it but go on
1: yeah that's probably what she's experiencing because now she's obviously eating breakfast again and for her, what or for me, what happened was I would eat breakfast, and immediately after breakfast, it was as if I hadn't even eaten, and I was so hungry. Like, I could eat another breakfast right after it, and another one right after yep. it. Yeah. Did that happen to you too, Al? Oh,
0: oh, yeah. Especially since for years, my breakfast was carbs with some carbs, chased by some carbs.
1: Exactly. So, what happens is when we wake up, our body releases cortisol, and that basically is like, whoa... We need to get up and get started and get going with our day. But at the same time, now you're, you're also eating carbs for breakfast, right? So that's going to spike your insulin. But what the cortisol does, this cortisol peak that happens in the morning, it really makes that insulin go boom. So guess what happens when you spike the daylights out of your insulin? It's going to come a crash and right back down. And guess what happens when you have a crash like that? It's going to make you very sleepy. And it's going to make you hungry, super, super hungry. So that's why a lot of people are very hungry after they eat breakfast. It's because of that that cortisol just skyrocketing in the morning. So that's why I don't want to eat breakfast anymore because that makes sense now. Now I understand why that was happening to me.
0: We've talked on this show before about the benefits of, of consuming fat and protein in the morning for that very, very reason. And you have a different angle, which is just skip it, do water and branch chain amino acids, get your workout in and be fully charged for the day. So again, guys, I just want to encourage you to be your own detective and figure out what works for you. And I'll tell you what works for me, Sarah, is both. Sometimes it's one and sometimes it's the other.
1: Exactly. And I'm really happy that you're letting me express this too because I don't want people to think that it's like, oh, you have to follow a rigid paradigm and you have to do it exactly like that. One thing that I do preach on my website I call it flexible fasting because I want you to always prioritize your quality of life. And I think that when you start to have rigid rules, you set yourself up to fail and you're going to experience that whole downward spiral of self-loathing because you didn't adhere to something exactly the way you had set out in your mind to do that day. Life happens. So you just have to go with the flow.
0: Sarah, I have one more reader question and then the two questions we always ask. Let me hit you with one more question. What is carb backloading and is it the same thing as a carb refeed?
1: Okay, so I already explained to you what I do with the carb backloading where I break my fast focusing on lean proteins and veggies and then I finish my eating window When I bring in the carbs, like the starchy carbs.
0: Okay, you start with protein and veggies. Yep. The carbs come at the end. This is of your eating window. Where does fat fat
1: come in? Okay, so I follow a protocol where I do calorie and carb cycling. Okay. Okay, so some days I'm going to be eating more carbs than other days. Sure, okay. Okay, so for example, if I'm following a higher carb day, let's say we're doing a refeed. Okay, so I'm going to have more of my calories coming from carbs than fat, okay? And I'm going to be eating way more carbs. My protein always stays the same.
0: Okay. I I eat a
1: high-protein diet because protein, as you know, confers satiety, and it also helps to preserve your muscle when you're dieting for fat loss. So if I'm doing a refeed and I'm eating a whole ton of carbs, then the fats are low. Okay, But if I'm having a day where maybe my activity level is lower, maybe I'm skipping a workout, then I'm going to drop my carbs and I'm going to bring my fats up higher.
0: Okay, so you're making a bit of a trade-off, but you're doing it consciously. So you're either higher carb or higher fat, but not both.
1: But not both. If you do both, it's going to be harder to lose weight. Now, I only do a refeed maybe once a week if I need it. It's not mandatory. It's just something if you need to do it. Uh, The reason why I do a carb refeed is because when you are dieting for fat loss and if you keep your carbs low, what happens is your leptin levels will drop. Leptin is your starvation hormone. That's what signals you to binge eat when you're on a diet. That's why so many dieters fail at their diet and they end up binging. It's not because they don't have the willpower, it's because their leptin levels have dropped and that's the starvation hormone that's supposed to keep you alive and it tells you, yo, you better start eating like a pig or else we're going to start shutting down here, body. So <laughs> so the leptin is going to cue you to binge. So what can we do to boost our leptin levels on a weekly basis so that we never have to binge eat? And the answer is a carb refeed because carbs are the only macronutrient that can boost your leptin levels and when I say macronutrient I'm referring to carbs fats and protein so that's why I purposely will prioritize my carbs especially once a week I'll prioritize my carbs with the refeed and then that's why I prioritize eating carbs at night because I know that six to eight hours later when I wake up my leptin levels will be elevated so that way I will have satiety during my fast the following day because when you boost your leptin levels it confers satiety and it boosts your metabolic rate. Carbs are important for a healthy metabolism. Once you cut carbs out of your diet and you follow a ketogenic diet daily your metabolism will decline.
0: Yeah then God help you if you start eating carbs again. Well you're going to blow up because your body's not used to eating carbs Okay. So a carb backload is very simple. You're timing your carbs. So you're eating when you break your fast, you're eating protein and veggies. And then toward the end of your eating window, that's when you do the carbs. So if I were going on a long bike ride the next day, I would be more free with my carbs the night before. And I might not just, I might have the whole sweet potato plus something else. (laughs) Especially because you're doing obviously like triathlons,
1: Mm -hmm. you would be so smart to eat your carbs at night knowing that you can, you know, have a great session the next day and have full glycogen stores in your muscles and in your liver. So that's why I would recommend that. Now, I think it's just common sense. Our mother's always told us you have to eat your chicken and your veggies first before you can have dessert. That's how I want you to think of your eating window.
0: Okay. That makes, that makes, that really makes good common sense. sense. Yeah. Now,
1: if you can't do that, let's say you're in a situation where the only thing that you can break your fast with is carbs. Well, then go ahead and do that. It's not the end of the world,
0: right? Like if you're traveling or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, we're we're living a real life, guys, and we're not nobody on their deathbed. As as Mary Shanuda just said in a recent interview, nobody on their deathbed said, "Oh, I wish I had counted more macros." Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we got other things to do. Okay, so so then the carb refeed, I think, is something I've been doing unintentionally and unconsciously and not really comfortable with it and if I know this then I'll be a lot more conscious about it and more comfortable with it and that is once a week maybe go intentionally for a higher carb day because what happens is I do it naturally I do it and I'm like what is wrong with me that's what I want you to do because a lot of people are like oh well every Saturday I'm going to do a carb
1: refeed well "Well, what if you're not hungry on Saturday you know when I do my carb refeeds when my body tells me to when my body's like oh my god I'm starving like Marvin That's when I do it. And you're right. Listen to your intuition. Your body knows. And if that's all you take home from this, that's all you need to know. You don't have to be hyper-technical.
0: Oh, Sarah, this has been just so, so informative, and I know we're going to get a ton of questions, so when we do, I hope you'll come back on the show, and we'll maybe do like a lightning round of Q&A or something. That'd be awesome. (laughs) All right, before I let you go, I have two questions that I ask everybody. The first one is, what is one habit that you would like us to try for one week?
1: Uh, The art of critical thinking. That's my philosophy, Uh, If you want to make the best choices for yourself, then you have to think critically. I mean, how many times have you done something without even giving it a second thought just because somebody told you to do it or you saw somebody else doing it? So you have to think critically, do your homework, do your research. And then as you said, it's like you have to be your own guinea pig. You have to experiment on yourself to see what actually works and doesn't work for you. Let me just say one thing. Research and statistics are pointless if they don't apply to you.
0: Amen. What is one resource that you know our listeners will love? Okay, I thought about this for a while, and the
1: one thing that really changed my entire outlook, I recently did a course called the Courageous Confidence Club by Shaleen Johnson. And I have to say that this really changed my entire outlook and perception. I think that when people want to adopt a diet, um, you know, to lose fat and improve appearance, I also think it's important that you take a look on the inside as well, because I have to be honest with you. Back when I was competing, I was doing that for acceptance. I had to look a certain way to feel validated and get acceptance. So that's why I would recommend you also work on what's going on the inside. And for me, Courageous Confidence completely changed my life.
0: Shalene Johnson is just brilliant. She is a gem. I love her. All right. I will obviously provide that information in the show notes along with uh, links to Dr. Sarah's content. And Dr. Sarah, I just cannot thank you enough for your time today. It's been super useful for me. And I know that other people will have learned something today.
1: Thank you, Ella, so much for having me. Bye now. Bye.